Well, these are familiar words. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord God Almighty. And we'll sing um, this song in a minute as well. The psalm is a, really a psalm of a pilgrim, pilgrimage. Uh, these pilgrims making their journey to Jerusalem. Israelites from all over the country came to celebrate different feasts about four times a year to celebrate. And as they walked to the temple, their hearts swelled with longing to see the temple. But it's not really the temple, the beauty of the temple as he describes it, but it's really the presence of God, what the temple symbolizes. They long to see the presence of God. They long to be with God as they made their pilgrim. Pilgrimage, And some people believe that this psalm, Psalm 84, was written during the time of exile, when the Israelites were forcibly removed from their homeland. And that would explain that intense longing, wouldn't it? To see the courts of the Lord, to be in Jerusalem. And when he sings, he says he yearns, that his heart longs to, to, see, to, to, to be in the courts of God. And this uh, word is used um, to describe uh, how, how a lion yearns for the prey, for its prey. He hungers. He seeks God with all his heart. Um, and, uh, he, well, he, he says his heart um, and, and his flesh, my heart and my flesh cry out, he says. His heart, his, the seed of the, his inner being, and his flesh his outer being, everything that is in him yearns to see God. And he says he's even jealous of the sparrow that's nested. Sparrow and the swallow because they nested near the altar in verse 3. They may, they may have built their nest at the top of the wall uh, of the temple there. And he's envious of these, his, these, birds, and he, these birds. And he, cry, he, he cries out in verse 4, Blessed are those who dwell in your house, for they are ever praising you. You see, they have found their homes in the temple of God. They made their homes in the temple of God, the destination of his pilgrimage. One of the very few times I yearned or longed like this was a couple of years ago when I, my friends and I visited France. We, we, we were touring France, and um, we made our way to Marseille. And Marseille is an unremarkable city. I'm sorry if you're, Mar- if you're from Marseille. I, I, don't, I don't know if there's any French here. But if you're from Marseille, I'm sorry. But I think Marseille is an unremarkable city, and you shouldn't visit um, if you went to France. But... One of the things that happened, I guess, what colors my memory is that we went to Marseille and um, we we rented a car, and we parked the car to go on a boat trip. And when we came back from the boat trip, we saw that the windows were broken um, and the bags inside were stolen. And inside of the bag were many, many things, including my passport. For the first time in my life, I had to go to a police station. And we were then directed to the U.S. consulate, and they couldn't help us, and we had to then go to uh, Paris um, consulate uh, a couple of days later. And in Paris, one by one, my friends left, and I was left alone um, until my passport situation was sorted out. And alone in Paris, I missed home. I really, really wanted to go back home. Miss is really too weak of a word. I really, really long to go home. And this is the kind of yearning that you see in this psalm. You see, he's a pilgrim, and he finds his destination. He wants to be in his destination. He wants to get there. He wants to make his home with God. 
But so often, as we live our daily lives, yearning doesn't come close to the way that we feel in our relationship with God. We don't yearn for the presence of God. I mean, he says his heart might faint. Fainting doesn't come very close to how we feel about our relationship with God in our daily lives. If you ask why, why is this? I think one big reason is that we don't actually feel like pilgrims here on this world. People, um, people who don't belong to the land that they are in. You see, I didn't belong in France. I knew that I belonged somewhere else, that that was my, that was my, France was my home. But we don't long for the full presence of God, perhaps because we think that we have made our full permanent, permanent residence here in this world. This world feels too much like home. We've made our permanent home here. The Jewish people wandered around the desert for 40 years looking for their destination, longing for a permanent home. But even actually after they have moved into the promised land, these pilgrimages four times a year reminded them that even the promised land wasn't fully the fight, their final destination. As they made their way to Jerusalem, as they made their uh, uh, way to, for, for the fullness, full presence of God, they reminded themselves that actually the fullness is yet to come. And if this poem, uh, this psalm was written at the, during the time of exile, you, you can see why they longed to go back to Jerusalem and see the temple, because they knew that they didn't belong in Babylon. The pilgrim knew that he was on a journey towards a destination. David, at the end of his life, said in First Chronicles twenty nine fifteen, We are aliens and strangers in your sight, as were all our forefathers, our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. We are aliens and strangers here on earth. Our days here on earth are penultimate. But actually, we're not just aliens and strangers. We are pilgrims. We're not homeless like vagabonds. We're not fugitives running away from homes or aliens away from homes. We are pilgrims and we are heading home. We have a home and it is where God is in the full presence of God, in the newness of the new creation, when God will fully be here in this, in this world and everything will be made anew, when the earth and, and the sea will be filled with the presence of God, that is our full home. The pilgrim who sang in Psalm 84 knew that they had a destination with the presence of God and he longed for it. But once again, I want to ask, have you made... Your home here. Does this feel like home? Where you are, this world. Have you made your permanent residence here? We've invested our lives here. We work as if this world is the end. We have become too comfortable in this world. Our values, its values, the world's values have become our values. And we've forgotten that even the strongest structures in this world will melt away when Jesus comes back again and creates this earth anew. Where have you made your permanent home? Are you a pilgrim or a permanent resident? Secondly, we might not long for the presence of the Lord because we have been bloated 
with a lot of less, lesser satisfactory things. I've quoted this verse before, I mean, uh, this passage before, and I'm sure I'll do it again because it's such a good one. Augustine, St. Augustine starts his book, Confessions, with these famous words, You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And that's clearly what this psalmist knows, doesn't he? He sang in verse 2, My soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. He knows that he's meant to live in the relationship with God. His heart and flesh cry out for the presence of the living God. And this sentiment is echoed throughout the Bible. Um, Old Testament and New Testament. Paul wrote in Philippians, I'll just do, do one, Philippians 1. If I am to go on in the living body, to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor, labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far. Paul knew that he was made to be in full relationship with God. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that he sees this image faintly, like you see in a mirror. But he longs to see Christ, his fullness. And he desires to be with God. He knows that he's, he's meant to live seeing Christ every day of his life. And when our hearts are restless for a relationship with God, when it longs for this nutritious, I'm going to uh, call it, uh, nutritious and delicious steak dinner of having a relationship with God, when that is the case, that's how we're meant to be. We fill our appetite with Doritos and Temtems. Perhaps satisfying for the moment, but if you if you've I've done this if you've had just if you have if you've had Doritos for dinner it it it, it will come in it will end in disaster in disaster. Friends, we're made for steak dinner, not Doritos. Doritos not great for you. You know this already. I know that our hearts often crave. Better job, better pay, better vacation, better school, better spouse, children even, better house, friends. But underlying all of those desires for better things is our, our, uh, the fullness of the relationship with God through Christ. Our hearts and flesh cry out, whether you recognize it or not, our heart and flesh cry out for a living God for us to be immersed in the presence of God, to live our lives in fully in relationship with God. And that is the only way that we're going to get satisfaction, anything resembling a satisfaction in this, in this world. It's not with emptying of these lesser desires. It's replacing these lesser desires with the greater desire, the only one who can give us satisfaction. Relationship with God through His Son, Jesus. The psalmist is a man who knows how good it is to have this relationship with God. He says in verse 10, this famous words, better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tent of the wicked. My dream holiday would be maybe to travel all around Europe in the finest hotels and restaurants 
But imagine your best holidays. Say that you can have it for three years. You can do anything for three years. But see what he says. But better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. I don't know how. I don't want to tell you now. Then just to read the Bible more and pray more. That's not what the psalm is about. But it is about having the right diagnosis of why so many people, so many of us, are dissatisfied living in this world. And my impression in Hong Kong is that there are a lot of dissatisfied people in Hong Kong. And the diagnosis of this psalm is that they are unhappy because their hearts desire for Doritos. Because you eat Doritos all the time and it leaves you wanting for more. If you're dissatisfied with your life, I guarantee that the underlying problem is that your relationship with God isn't right or your, relation, or your desires are misplaced. When our hearts and soul yearn for the presence of the living God, when our, when our relationship with God in Christ is right, not having all these things that we, I've mentioned um, will, will not seem so big anymore. Because our hearts are filled with Christ. And even as the psalmist makes this pilgrimage under the scorching sun of Israel, his heart sings because his strength comes from his relationship with God. If one day in God's presence is better than a thousand, a thousand elsewhere, how would you feel? If you lived in God's presence every day of your life, if every day you lived in the fullness of relationship with Christ. But I don't want you to think that the psalmist is advocating daydreaming, thinking of the other world all the time. And that's certainly not what this psalm is about. You see how in verse 5 he sings, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on, uh, 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 on Zion. The people who have set their hearts on Zion, uh, on this pilgrimage, ESV and RSV uh, trans- translates it, in whose hearts are highway to Zion, whose hearts are, are programmed um, to Zion. Uh, who's, who, who have a homing device to, to Jerusalem, those whose hearts search after the presence of God automatically are blessed because in their pilgrimage, in their life, they receive uh, the strength to live in their life, their life from God. When our desires are set on Christ, on God, you receive strength to go through this life as well. And it's an extraordinary strength. You see, in verse 6, it says, As you go through Valley of Baca, um, this valley was known as Valley of Tears uh, because these, uh, there were these trees that, that, uh, that, that oozed out um, um, uh, the, the sap like tears. It was a dry place full of hardship. But did you know, notice how that, that place is transformed in verse 6? It, it becomes a place of springs. The autumn rain covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength until they reach their destination. In verse 7. Pilgrims whose hearts are set on Zion, on the presence of God, transforms desert 
into springs, places of springs. Waters shoot forth from the ground to wet it. And verdant vegetation grows out of it. And God brings autumn rain to cover the dry craters and changes into pools. Their steps are not weary as people who have no vision or hope. They go from strength to strength and with joy till they appear, till they live in the fullness of God. And this pilgrimage was never an easy one. They had to go through Valley of Tears. And our lives are not easy either. If you aren't crying now, if you're not going through the Valley of Tears now, you will at some point in your life go through the Valley of Weeping. But when our hearts are set on Christ, we will transform the world. We will transform the people around us, the places, workplaces around us. This isn't about doing more in this world, though that will come as a result. This is about setting our hearts in the right place, in the grace of God, in the presence of Christ. In the language of the New Testament, we must dwell in Christ. We will then be a blessing to those around us when we are soaked in God's grace. We'll be gracious to others. When we live in Christ's forgiveness, we'll be able to forgive others. When our joy is overflowing because of our relationship with God, we'll bring joy to others around us. When our minds are transformed and renewed in Christ, we will bring different perspective to this world. We will transform this world. Abolitionists like William Wilberforce or Martin Luther King Jr., Uh, people who uh, fought for children's rights after Industrial Revolution, people who set up countless orphanages and and, and hospitals, Christians here uh, in this church who look after the widows and orphans, disabled, their hearts are set on Christ. Their hearts, they, they dwell in Christ. Those who are making a positive impact in the marketplace, if you want to make a positive impact in your work life, in your work, in the marketplace, in the academia, or wherever you are, set your heart in Christ. Dwell in Christ. You will transform that place. But it takes a lot of trust because it's not easy to to transform a desert into springs. So the psalmist ends this psalm in, uh, with verse 12, with a blessing. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts you. In fact, the whole third part of this psalm is uh, about why we, tr- we should trust God. First, he gives four reasons. First, he says he, pray- he prayed. Hear my prayers, O Lord Almighty, in verse 8. He can trust God because he, has, he, he can pray to God. Secondly, he reminds us, us that we can trust him because he guides and protects us in verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. There's no surprise with God. Everything comes into light. He guides us, but he also protects us with his shield. Thirdly, in, in the second half of verse 11, he reminds us that God is gracious no good things does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. 
He can trust because although God does not give everything that we ask, He does not withhold anything that is uh, that is good for us. He gives us all that is good for us and all that we need. And finally, He trusts God because He knows His reward. The reward of trusting God is being with God. The reward at the end of His journey is the presence of God. God Himself. Better is one day than than a thousand elsewhere. As I end, once again, are you a pilgrim here in this world, or have you made your permanent home? Does your heart, is your heart set on Christ, or is it set on Doritos? If it's set on Christ, you will transform this world. As you live in Christ. And in the end, if you have set your heart on Christ, you will be rewarded with the presence of Christ. You will find the the yearning. You will find the fulfillment for its yearning in the end. We shall see Christ. We shall see our Savior face to face. We shall see his scars around his forehead Uh, where uh, he wore the crown of thorns, we shall see the faint and dark uh, scar um, skins covered around his his hands and and feet where where the nails were driven in. We will see our Savior, and we will see God, and we will see the goodness of God, and we will praise God because we will know that at last we have found our permanent home permanent home in the full presence of Christ. May our hearts yearn for the presence of Christ. Amen.